Bismillahirrahmanirrahim وما آتاكم الرسول فخذوه وما نهاكم عنه فانتهوا صدق الله العظيم سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي درش بالله respected brothers respected elders, mothers and sisters listening at home in our last session of Darsi Hadith we covered the brief biography of some of the governors during the Khilafat of Sayyidina Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala the reason why we had to speak on this very important subject explaining the seerah, the biography of some of the governors was to acquit Hazrat Usman bin Affan from the false allegations directed to him by the munafikeen, by the enemies of Islam it is unimaginable for any man to say that Sayyidina Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an played the role of favoritism or that Aliyazubillah he was very partial and selective in appointing his governors yes there were certain individuals who were related to him but in any case the Arabs were related to one another anyway and alhamdulillah by going through each individual and his character and especially those that were related to Hazrat Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an, it becomes clear that it was sheer competence and taqwa that was in them that Hazrat Usman bin Affan had seen and had given them the position of being the governors during his Khilafat in fact some of these governors were even appointed by the Khulafai Rashidin for example Amir Mu'awiyah radiallahu ta'ala and many they played a very important role also during the Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala and some even served Hazrat Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam and so in all truth it was just a continuation a continuation following the predecessors Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq and Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an however the munafiqeen were ever ready aliyazu billah 
to tarnish and to revile the status of Hazrat Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an it was never going to be easy for a pious man for the Khalifa of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam as I have already mentioned that every time a pious man or someone who wishes to implement the laws of Sharia you will always find obstacles and hurdles from the shaitan and this is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has designed the dunya the world as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that khair and shar both flow together khair and shar both flow together and it is up to that individual whether he adopts the path of piety or whether he follows the footsteps of shaitan and you'll find certain individual especially amongst uh, the salafus salihin sahabai kiram ajma'in tabi'in tabi tabi'in we have to be very very careful in understanding their biography and the seerah and especially Hazrat Usman bin Affan radiyallahu ta'ala an a lot of sensitive issues have to be understood clearly when we speak about Hazrat Usman radiyallahu ta'ala an and Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala an the munafiqeen the hypocrites, the enemies were ever ready. They were waiting any opportunity given to them, Allahu Akbar, to spread false rumors, any scandal, to concoct any situation against Hazrat Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an. They were right in the forefront. Though Hazrat Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an was in Madinatul Munawwara, but they would make life difficult for Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala an by making things difficult for the governors that were appointed by Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala an. And the strategy that was adopted by these munafikeen, the hypocrites, was to create rift between the companions or to break the unity, to disunite them. It was extremely difficult. Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een were mountains of ikhlas. These were people who were mukhlis, very, very sincere. And to disunite them, it was never going to be easy. But this was the mission that the munafikeen had taken upon themselves to somewhat disunite some of the companions. How? By accusing them or by spreading false rumors and by spreading lies. This was the methodology adopted by especially a group of people during the Khilafat of Hazrat Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an. One such incident that had occurred and it is worth mentioning inshallah ta'ala and we will end our session tonight by giving you this explanation of what had happened between Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala an and Hazrat Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an. even today you'll find unfortunately in books people not respecting Hazrat Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an, even the companions general companions and they say that Hazrat Uthman during his term of Khilafat had banished Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala an out from Syria and out from Madinatul Munawwara now who was Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala an? 
حضرت عثمان بن عفان نیڈز نو انٹروڈکشن ہی از اے صحابی خلیفہ آف رسول صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم دا تھرڈ سکسیسر ٹو رسول اللہ سن ان لا آف رسول صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم امان ہو از ٹائٹل از ذنورین ٹو ڈوٹرز آف رسول صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم ان دا نکاح آف دس گریٹ مین سو ہی نیڈز نو انٹروڈکشن حضرت ابو ذر رضی اللہ تعالیٰ اگین ا ویری سینئر صحابی آف رسول صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم ہوز ریئل نیم واز عویمر فرام عامر یو آلسو گیٹ عویمر دیٹ واز ہز ریئل نیم عویمر اینڈ اے مین ہو پارٹیسپیٹڈ ان میجورٹی آف دا بیٹلز ود رسول صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم ان آل آف دا جہادی ایکسپیڈیشنز ہی واز دے ود رسول صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم اینڈ سو ہی از کنسیڈر ٹو بی اے ویری سینئر صحابی واٹ اٹ ہیپن is that the munafiqeen were there waiting for every opportunity or any opportunity that occurred first we look at the character of Hazrat Abu Dharr radiyallahu ta'ala he is a sahabi that would mean that we have to respect a sahabi of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam these are individuals who Allah has given the certificate of jannah to them in the Quran virtually every para praises the companions of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam But the level of taqwa in Hazrat Abu Dharr radiyallahu ta'ala an was very different. All of the companions were very very pious. But Hazrat Abu Dharr radiyallahu ta'ala an was a man in his own world. And that was because of that very high degree of taqwa that was in him. And even today generally you'll find that some individuals, they have a very high level of taqwa and therefore it would be a very high degree of abstinence in them so for an example you'll find that uh, one individual will go to town and if he goes to town there is nothing wrong is there anything wrong going to town if he wants to buy something he, is, he has gone to the market he's gone down he can do so but then you'll find another man who abstains from going to town he says no why I wish not to go to town why maybe I haven't got that power to control myself and so I won't go to town today we live in the technological world you can order everything by line internet and that is it I will not go to town now for that man who does not go to town he is also right but the person who also goes to town a common man a simple man who is a Muslim who is a believer mashallah but he goes to town he is also right so one is taqwa and one is fatwa So if you get a fatwa from someone, it might be jayis that what, you can do this. So fatwa is a different issue. And another thing is taqwa. Taqwa is a different issue. Maybe the level of taqwa of an individual is stopping someone from doing something. Allahu Akbar. So for an example, Mawlana Haq Nawaz Jangwi, a great scholar from Pakistan, scholars were giving him a free ticket to go to Madinatul Munawwara. Go and give salam to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But he was in his own world. He said that, how can I go to Madina Munawwara and greet my Nabi when in my country there are people who are swearing at Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq, Hazrat Umar Farooq, Hazrat Aisha, 
and Hazrat Amir Muawiyah and the companions of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam how do you expect me to stand in front of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and to say to him assalamu alayka ya rasulullah and you see this was a man of his own level we need to understand certain individuals and their natural disposition their natural character so Hazrat Abu Dhar radiyallahu ta'ala an was again a man who was very strict when it came to the laws of Sharia, he would not seek for unnecessary concession in the laws of the Sharia. And this can be explained even in the hadith of Hazrat Shaddad ibn Aus, which is recorded in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal rahmatullah alayhi, where they actually describe the character of this Sahabi whose name is Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala. Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala an would listen to a hadith from Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and if in that hadith there was uh, some strictness a degree of strictness in that hadith Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala an would take that hadith listen uh, to the hadith of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he was a man who would immediately convey the message to the brothers because he was a sahabi he would want to explain to the people what he had heard from Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So he would explain that hadith with the same strictness. And the Sahaba would say, later on, if Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam had given any concession, in that very same hadith, narrated by Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala, if that concession did not come to Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala, then he would follow the hadith with that same level of strictness and he would expect people to follow that hadith to that same level and degree and so this was the type of man Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala was a very strict man subhanallah and that is why at times it was a bit difficult for him to actually mix in with the common man with the simple people that are there that is why ulama have mentioned for anyone who is a leader or who holds this prime position, or he is a Qazi, or in fact, if he is even an Imam, he should not look at everything with his own eyes, or he should not adopt this tunnel vision, that no, no, what I say is right, but rather he must even look into the concessions that are there in the Sharia, because Sharia is easy. The laws of the Quran are not there to restrict a person the laws of the Qur'an are not there to make life a misery for a person. That a person feels insecure. He, he feels that, oh my God, what kind of laws are this? Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Yassiru, wala tu'asiru. Make life easy for an individual. Don't make life hard for a person. So make it easy. Yassiru, wala tu'asiru. And this is something that's very very important for any man in the Islamic Khilafat if that position is given to him that he is a Qazi that is why you'll find even amongst the Fuqaha that if you study the Fiqh of Imam Abu Hanifa it is quite simplified and it is quite easy for the common man to practice today quite easy but you'll find some of the Fuqaha who have their own madhab and they say that any man who conveniently or intentionally misses out from his salah and does his salah qaza, he is a kafir.
He is a kafir. Literally, that this man is a disbeliever. And so you have each individual following their own madhab. But for the common man, how is he to view the rules of sharia? This is something that is very, very important. So for an example, this man decided not to perform Isha Salah with Jama'at. And this news was given to Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to him, why don't you perform salah in, in your locality in the masjid? He said, Ya Rasulullah, how can I perform my Isha salah when the Imam is Mu'az radiallahu ta'ala When the Imam is Hazrat Mu'az. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Hazrat Mu'az is a sahabi, what is wrong with him? A great, great sahabi. He says, there is nothing wrong with him. But his Isha Salah is to his level of taqwa. Very long, very long. And we are people who need to wake up early in the morning. We need to work by mushtaq. Not we need to work. We all need to work. And so his Salah is very, very long. The ruku is long. The sujood is long. His taqwa. We don't question about his Salah, about his knowledge. But very long. And so he does not think of the other individuals that are there. Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam got angry, really angry. And he said, at once call Mu'adh here. And Hazrat Mu'adh radiallahu ta'ala and came. And that is why even for the imams, it is better for them, especially in the times of fitna. Especially in the times of fitna, when people don't have that, that, that capacity to, to intake uh, good deeds, to make it easy for the people. And that is why even in the haram you will find a lot of the time it is, even for Juma, the Juma salah is quite short. Uh, at times even for Fajr it is quite short. So Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to him, Afattanun ya Mu'az, are you making yourself a fitna for my followers? Are you making yourself a fitna for my followers? He says, never ya Rasulullah. And so Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, make it easy for my ummah. And that is why in the sharia you will find that if you read Maghrib Salah, there is an allocation in the Quran that you read from certain chapters here. And for Fajr you read from certain chapters. Though the general common rule is that a man can read in, a man can read any part of the Quran. That is the general rule. But to make it easy. So in sharia, moderation is very, very Important. Now the madhab of Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala an was very very difficult. That is why you see at times in the hadith it is mentioned, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam was very fond of miswak. Very fond. But at times Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam would abstain from using the miswak continuously at all times. Otherwise he was very fond of miswak. And he actually said to the companions that I fear in case this sunnah of mine becomes obligatory for my followers. That someone might take it to the category of wajib or farz. And I don't wish to burden my followers with any difficulty that I think of that simple man who is there to follow me and my sunnah. And I want to make it easy for them. Many, many instances. So for an example, even the taraweeh salah. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not actually perform continuously Salatul Taraweeh or Qiyamul Layl in the month of Ramadan in the congregation continuously as we do today. 
And he actually explained the reason why. He said, I don't want to make Salatul Taraweeh a farz upon my ummah. But it was only later on, the likes of Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an, and with the group of companions, it was an ijma' that you perform if you were scattered in the masjid and a group was praying taraweeh here, a group was praying taraweeh there, a group was praying taraweeh there. Hazrat Umar said, why don't you all pray behind one imam? And he appointed Ubay bin Ka'b radiallahu ta'ala. And until today you will find that the taraweeh of 20 rakats that is in practice. Many ahadis speak of this. Subhanallah, even tahajjud salah. Some of the muhaddisin have mentioned that tahajjud for Rasulullah was an obligation. Was compulsory. <laughs> but for the followers, for, for those who follow the sunnah and Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it's optional. Otherwise if tahajjud was an obligation, it would be quite difficult to wake up, isn't it my respected brothers? In, in many of the masail, you will find that Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam has given this clear concession. This rukhsah, so that it is a form of ease, a form of ease. There's no water, not a problem, do tayammum. Subhanallah. Very, very cold, mashallah, if you're wearing leather socks, don't even need to wash your, uh, wash your feet and just do masah. And this is the ease that is very important. Once a group of companions came to the house of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and they asked, one of the wives of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam about the manner of worship of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And the wife of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam explained that this is how Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam would worship, this is what he would do, this is what he would do. And a group of companions that were there, one of them said, right, subhanallah, if this is the worship of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, who is a Nabi and Allah has given him this position in the hereafter, uh, how much should we work hard for to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala how much sacrifice should we give in order to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so one said from now on I will never marry I will there's no woman no problem no woman no problem but it is wrong a man can't even do without a woman a man can't even do without a woman. But he said, no woman, I will not marry. Why if I marry, I have to feed her, look after her, look after the children, this responsibility, I will not marry, I will just worship Allah. Another man came and said, I will fast during the day, for the rest of my life. Continuously, I will fast. And these were companions of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. What they would say, that is what they would do. And another sahabi said that in the night I will not sleep. I will only read tahajjud throughout my life. From Isha to Fajr. A bit of sleep, wake up and then that is it. To read tahajjud all my life. Oh, the three went away. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam came and the wife said to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, three companions came and this is what they have taken upon themselves to do, to carry out. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa got angry. And he met each individual and he said to them that I am better than you. I am better than you. But yet I sleep in the night. And I wake up in the night. I fast. And I also miss out fasting. And 
I wake up in the night, I take the responsibility and I have done nikah. I have done nikah. And he said, فَمَنْ رَغِبَ عَنْ سُنَّتِي فَلَيْسَ مِنِّي Anyone who turns away from my sunnah is not from me. And so this path of moderation is extremely important. But certain individuals, their connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is such that it is better just to say yes to them because of their intense love that they have for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you cannot blame them and that you can't say that they are wrong. And from amongst the companions, Abu Zar was that sahabi. A very high level of taqwa. Now his madhab was very difficult. How the matter got to Hazrat Usman was through Hazrat Amir Muawiyah. Hazrat Abu Dhar was living in Syria. Now in Syria, because he was a Sahabi, he would also give fatwas to people. Like Hazrat Amir Muawiyah being a governor, but Hazrat Abu Dhar would hold that position being a Sahabi. So anyway, people knew that he's a Sahabi. They would go there. Sahabi, there's a Sahabi here, there's a Sahabi here. In that city, there is a Sahabi. So fatwas were given by the companion. Hazrat Abu Zar used to give a fatwa that it is not jais for any man or a woman to, to hoard wealth, to accumulate wealth, to, to save money. And he would cite one verse of the Quran in, in, in Surah Tawbah, and he would say, because Allah has mentioned in the Quran, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِنَّ كَثِيرًا مِّنَ الْأَحْبَارِ وَالرُّحْبَانِ لَيَأْكُلُونَ أَمْوَالَ النَّاسِ بِالْبَاطِلِ وَيَسُدُّونَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ That, O people of Iman, many of the Jewish rabbis and the Christian monks consume the wealth of mankind unlawfully and they stop people from entering Islam. And then the next verse, Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ يَكْنِذُونَ الذَّهَبَ وَالْفِدَّةِ And for those who hoard wealth, money, gold and silver, وَلَا يُنْفِقُونَهَا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ And they don't spend in the path of Allah. فَبَشِّرْهُمْ بِعَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ Announce to them a painful punishment in the hereafter. Now because of this ayat-e-kareema, Hazrat Abu Dhar was of the mazhab that a man should live a very simple style, a very simple living. It is not jais for him to save more than three dinar. This was his mazhab. How much? Only... Three dinar. Now you can imagine if a Sahabi goes around and gives this fatwa. Obviously, for the common man, this is quite difficult. So news was spreading. Hazrat Abu Zar, his masail are very, very difficult. His madhab is very, very difficult. And being a Sahabi, who could say anything to him? And he would say only three dinar. And he also would give proof of what he is saying. He's saying that Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, if I had wealth equivalent to the mount, mountain of Uhud, I would not want a night to go by without spending all of that money equivalent to the mountain of Uhud, except for saving three dinar. Except for saving only three dinar. So he's saying you can only save three dinar. So there is no pro- problem with you know, the, the inland revenue and the other people chasing you and you know all the benefit people and the fraud issue, that would not be a problem. You should only have three dinar. And this was the madhab of this sahabi which was very difficult. But at the same time, my respected brothers, this was also the practice of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah's Nabi was very unique. His practice was 
Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he married with Khadija, he said to Khadija, your wealth is your wealth, but my madhab is as a Nabi, I will not save anything, everything is in the path of Allah. And so it was a very simple living. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not have anything. And this is how he was. And Hazrat Abu Dhar wanted to adopt the same manner. And some people who were like Hazrat Abu Dhar were even, in the, even like Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab. When we, when we look at the seerah of Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab, he was also quite strict. But he was a man who was given a lot of wisdom. The difference was, Hazrat Umar would do it on himself, but allow others to practice. But Hazrat Abu Dhar was such a pious man, he said, no, no, I will do it, you do it also. <laughs> I will do it also, you do it. So this was quite difficult. So Hazrat Amir Muawiyah, being a Sahabi, took Hazrat Abu Dhar on the side and said, you know what, the ayat karima that you quote to people, is with regards to the Jews and the Christians. And there is nothing wrong if a man has discharged his annual zakat, after discharging his annual zakat for him to save up wealth. There is nothing wrong. Because halal is halal, and what is haram, it is haram. And Hazrat Abu Dhar being very senior, but very naraz, how can you do this? Well, the love of dunya has entered your hearts. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam has gone. And you have been influenced by the Christians and the Jews. When it is Jannah for the believers, how can you say that one should save? Now again, this man has to be excused. What a Sahabi. What a Sahabi. And this was because of his level of taqwa. These were certain individuals. And you even get those individuals here in this world today. Certain pious people are like that. You just look at them and you say, bye, say what you're saying is right. But for the common man, it is quite difficult to live in that manner. And so things were very difficult in Syria. When this matter was brought forward, was it Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an? Was it Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an said to Abu Dhar? Abu Dhar, at once I want you to leave Syria and I want you to come to Madinatul Munawwara. Now when the hypocrites and the munafikin that were there heard of some a difference of opinion between Hazrat Amir Muawiyah and Hazrat Abu Dhar, they started spreading rumors that the companions are fighting with each other. Aliyazubillah. It is like today as if someone would say, Imam Shafi did not like Imam Malik. Imam Malik did not like Imam Abu Hanifa. Imam Abu Hanifa did not like Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal. Astaghfirullah al-Azim. Astaghfirullah al-Azim. These were great, great fuqaha who respected each other. And what they speak is only to facilitate the ummah in Islamic jurisprudence for them to understand the laws of Sharia easily. And so they were now spreading rumors. When this news got to Madinatul Munawwara, Hazrat Uthman bin Affan looked at Hazrat Abu Dhar, and though Hazrat Amir Muawiyah was right, of course, and the majority of the scholars were of the opinion that there is no harm in saving money if you have given your charity. Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala and gave him a choice. Said to him, I think it would be better for you to live close to me in Madinatul Munawwara, where I am here. Or if you want, you could go out, out outside Madinatul Munawwara and live elsewhere. And the name mentioned by Hazrat Osman was a place called Ar-Ridha. That you can live in a zone, a locality called Ar-Ridha. Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala an was a man who would run away from fitna. And he knew what was actually happening in Kufa and what was happening in Iraq. Things were uh, at, a, at a brink of eruption. And he knew that fitna will come. Being a Sahabi, 
He said to Hazrat Abu Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala that I will move out from Medina to Munawwara and I want to live alone in Ar-Ridha. Hazrat Usman said to him, you are fine to live where you want. And in fact, there was uh, nothing had happened when it came to maintaining good ties and the relationship between the two companions. It was always there. It is said that frequently Hazrat Abu Dhar would come to Masjid Nabwi sallallahu alayhi wasallam to perform salah. Now, Ar-Riza was not even a locality that was cut away from Madinatul Munawwara. It was in fact the main stop for the people who would travel to Makkah. They would always stop in that locality where Ar-Riza is. For the people who came from Iraq to perform Hajj, they would always halt and stop at Ar-Riza. And even the Zakah camels of the Muslim treasury, the pasture land was in the location of Ar-Riza. So it was a land that that was uh, known to the people. A lot of people would go there and a lot of people would even meet Hazrat Abu Dhar. Hazrat Usman must have even thought that it would be better for Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala an to teach ilm and hadith to the local people in that area and who come as musafireen. And this was the only issue between Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala an and Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala an. But again, it was blown out of proportion and you'll find a lot of the historians mention this. Oh, Aliyazu Billah, Hazrat Usman did not allow Hazrat Abu Zar to live in Madinatul Munawar. Hazrat Usman did not allow Hazrat Abu Zar to live in Syria. And because Hazrat Amir Muawiyah was related to Hazrat Uthman, Hazrat Uthman forced him out from Syria, Aliyazu Billah. Astaghfirullah. And, and like I have said, it is unimaginable. In fact, there is fear of the, the, the iman being snatched away from that person who thinks ill of this great sahabi Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an. it was even the prophecy of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam that Abu Dhar is a sahabi who will live alone in the hadith it comes Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam once looked at Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala an and said to him Rahim Allah Abu Dhar May Allah have mercy on Abu Dhar. Yamshi wahda, wa yamutu wahda, wa yub'athu wahda. These are the words of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa May Allah have mercy on Abu Dhar. His level of taqwa is so high. His level of obediency to Allah is so high. That none can come close to him. He will walk alone, and he will die alone, and he will be resurrected alone. And this is what happened during the Khilafat of Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala an. The wife was with him and a slave. Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala an, when he was critically ill, he said to the wife, if I pass away, what I want you to do is put my body, my janazah out of the house. So when the musafireen, the people of the caravan who travel from Makkah to Medina or Medina to Makkah, they would stop at Ar-Ridha. When they stop, tell the slave to go and meet the people of the caravan and say to them that this is the body of Abu Dhar and do whatever you want to do with it. Subhanallah, a great sahabi like Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala an, when he passes away, they put the body of Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala an outside the house and a caravan comes. And who is in that caravan? The giant amongst the companions. 
حضرت عبد اللہ ابن مسعود رضی اللہ تعالی اور صحابی سبحان اللہ حضرت عبد اللہ ابن مسعود is there and the caravan stops everybody rushes to see what is happening and they speak to Hazrat Abdullah ibn Mas'ud Abdullah ibn Mas'ud comes and when he looks at the face of Hazrat Abu Dharr radiyallahu ta'ala an Hazrat Abdullah ibn Mas'ud starts to cry and he quoted the same hadith and he said oh my brother Abu Dharr rahimallah Abu Dharr I remember what my Nabi said about you that may Allah have mercy on Abu Dharr yamshi wahda he will be alone wa yamut wahda he will die alone and on the day of Qiyamah he will be resurrected alone. Why? Because of complete abstinence from dunya. He had no connection whatsoever with dunya. And in fact, even for the wife to live with a man like that, Allahu Akbar, one only has to salute and respect a woman uh, to, to be a partner to this great Sahabi that even people could not sort of uh, rival to his manner of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to say that my madhab is to say that it is haram for anyone to have any form of wealth except for three dinar and to maintain that for the rest of the life it is very very difficult Hazrat Abu Abdullah ibn Masood gave him gusal, the kafan and dafan was done and the janazah namaz was prayed, immediately Hazrat Abdullah ibn Masood went to Madinatul Munawwara, informed Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala Hazrat Usman, the love he had for Hazrat Abu Dhar, immediately came from Madinatul Munawwara and made dua at the grave of Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala an. and Hazrat Abu Dhar had a daughter and a wife and he requested the daughter and the wife that it is better for you now to move out from Ar-Ridha and to settle with my family Hazrat Usman is saying to settle with my family and I take it up to myself with my own finance to look after you and he says, come to Madinatul Munawwara if you wish, where you are closer to the women folks and to also to the companions. And the wife and the daughter decided that it was better for them now to stay in Madinatul Munawwara. This was the end of this great Sahabi, Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala an, al-yazu billah. Uh, when a man is out there to make mischief, then nothing can stop him. What a simple understanding and explanation, the relationship that was there between the companions, Hazrat Usman, Hazrat Amir Muawiyah, and Hazrat Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala an. But yet today you will find people who have no understanding of Islam, no understanding of Islamic history, and decide to write a book, and perhaps to suit the Shia of this world, go against Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an and disrespect him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Inshallah in the next few sessions to come I think we will now start with the real fitna and the difficulty that starts with Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an which eventually leads to the shahadat of this great man and what a martyr he is in Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevate his position in the hereafter wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma salli ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa maulana muhammadin nabiyil umi wa ala alihi wa salim taslima Allahumma taqabbal minna wa tuba alayna inna kanta tawabur rahim nasakhfiruka wa natubu ilayk sami'na wa atwana gufranaka rabbana wa ilayka al-masir birahmatika ya rahman rahim